Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today is the second part of a three-part series on how to stop failing and live a blessed life. I don't know about you, but I would love to stop failing. Failing with bad attitudes or or bad reactions to, to how people treat me. There's any number of ways to fail in life. But here we're going to be looking again at Joshua and how Joshua was basically teed up. He was set up to stop failing and live a blessed life. And so we're going to take the example that we see here in Joshua 1 and learn how we can stop failing and start living a blessed life. So we're going to be going on to the second part here. This is all found this week and last week is found in Joshua 1. Next week we're going to be in a different chapter of the Bible, but Joshua 1. But before I start and, and kind of reread that to you, the first section of that chapter, I want you to picture with me, what if you had a rich aunt? I'm not going to ask you if you do, but what if you had a rich aunt that was a multi-millionaire? multi-millionaire, and let's say her name is Aunt Susie, all right? Hopefully you don't have a rich aunt named Aunt Susie, because then you'll think I'm talking about her. But what if this Aunt Susie took you under her wing, and she said, you know what? I want you to be rich and successful like me someday, and I'm going to give you the recipe for success. I'm going to teach you how to be rich and successful And she took you out to a nice steak dinner, and she went over her few secrets to success. Wouldn't you listen to her? Wouldn't you say, you know what? I'm going to listen to my aunt because I want to be like her. I want to be rich and successful. Well, today you're going to find in Joshua 1 how to stop failing and how to live a blessed life. Are you curious? Are you interested? I hope you're interested enough to take some notes, at least some mental notes, so that you can go home and this week you can start practicing this stuff because I'll tell you what, I have been practicing it and it is helping me so much. I believe it'll help you as well. Let's read in Joshua 1, just a few verses like we read last week, but just to remind ourselves and in case you weren't here last week, you'll get to hear it this way as well. But it says, after the death of Moses, now Moses was the guy that led over 2 million Israelites out of Egypt through the desert for 40 years and was there on the doorstep of the promised land of Canaan. He died. (laughs) How would you like it if your mentor died? He died. But you know what? The Lord spoke to Joshua, who had been serving as Moses' aide all those 40 years. He said, guess what, Joshua? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into a land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Look at these promises that God gives Joshua. He says, I am going to give you every place you set your foot, just as I promised your mentor Moses. Your territory is going to extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the way to the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. No one is going to ever be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I am going to be with you as well. I will never leave you, Joshua. I'm never going to forsake you. 
So be strong and be courageous because you are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I swore to the ancestors that I would give them. So be strong and be courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to it from the right or to the left. Keep this book of the law always on your mouth and in your lips, coming out of your mouth, explaining it, demonstrating it, meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then, Joshua, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to be successful. You're going to live a blessed life. You're not going to be failing as you have in the past. Have I not commanded you? Go and be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I <laughs> love that one. Don't be discouraged. Don't be depressed. Don't get down on yourself. For the Lord your God is going to be with you wherever you go. So in summary, we went over, uh, we went over half of this last Sunday. And so I'm going to summarize it just because some of you weren't here and just so we can be reminded. But in summary, if you want to stop failing and you want to live a blessed life, you got to be like Joshua. You got to hear from God. He heard from God. When was the last time that you can remember hearing from God? And what are you going to do? As I said last week, when are you going to get serious with God enough to hear from God? Because you can say, I don't know how to hear from God. <laughs> well, it's not about knowing how. It's about putting in the effort to hear from God. Do what you need to do to hear from God. Secondly, we learned if we're going to stop failing and live a blessed life is to be successful. The only thing you'll ever be successful in life is what God has called you to, what you were born to do, what you were destined to do. Stop fooling around and messing around and trying this thing and doing that thing and going out on your own. Do what God called you to do and you will be successful at it. It's your destiny. So do that and drop everything else. Everything else is noise in life. Just do what God has called you to do. We also learned that you will miss out. If you don't know God's promises here, God promised Joshua thing after thing after thing. If you don't know God's promises, you're going to miss out in life. Know God's promises. What is God promising? He says, hey, if you'll obey me, you'll be the head and not the tail. Your enemy will come at you from one direction and will break out in seven directions. The promises of God, he says, no weapon forged against you is going to prosper and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. Know the promises of God, otherwise you're missing out. You will fail without the promises of God. And here's another thing that we learn. Nothing is better than God's nearness. Oh, man, get up in the morning. Or if you're a if you're night owl, do it at night. But go for walks with God. Get along with God. Feel God's presence hovering over you. It says at creation that, that the Holy Spirit brooded over creation. In other words, he hovered over creation. God's canopy is over you. He loves you. He wants to be close to you. Do you want to be close to God? If you're close to God, you're going to stop failing. You're going to live a blessed life. You're going to live an awesome life, the life of your dreams. You're going to be the best version of you. 
the person of your dreams, the life of your dreams. And the last thing that we talked about last Sunday was that God didn't exactly tell Joshua what to do. He just told Joshua how to be. (laughs) He said, Joshua, be strong and courageous. He said it three times, if I'm not mistaken, in this series of scriptures, right? Three times he said, here's how I want you to be before I tell you what to do. What do we do as Christians and as people all the time? We say, God, tell me what to do. What direction do I need to take? Who do I need to date? Who do I need to marry? How do I get out of this jam? And God's telling you, okay, I'm going to tell you that, but first I want to teach you how to be. I want you to be full of faith before you're healed. I want you to be full of confidence before I give you a job. I want you to be full of hope Before you see the answer, I'm going to teach you how to be, Joshua, before I tell you what to do. Man, I'll tell you what, you start living that way, you're not going to fail. I remember once, I was in a dead-end job. Have you ever been in a dead-end job before? I didn't see any hope. It was boring. It was mundane. I wasn't going anywhere. And the Lord told me, Steve, I want you to start walking around as if you had the job of your dreams, even before you have it, before you see it. You walk around with confidence, believing me. And then God gave me a job after that, a better job. I quit being an accountant. Accounting's boring, man. If you're an accountant, I'm sorry I offended you, but I'm a CPA. And, but I, I, seriously, I said, God, I'm bored. And God answered my prayer, but first he told me how to be. He told me how to be. So let's read on. If there's any accounting majors in here, please, I didn't mean to offend you, man. All right, look in verse 7 of Joshua 1. God says again to Joshua, he says, be strong and courageous. He told him how to be, but look at some other tidbits, some other secrets to stop, to, to, to quit Quit failing and start living a blessed life. He said, be careful, Joshua, to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to it from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. I want to tell you something. When I read the Bible, there's this correlation that I see over and over again of obedience and success. Obeying God and having a great life. Do you have problems? Absolutely. Don't think that obeying God is going to make you just cruise through life and you're going to have heaven here on earth because that is not possible. But you can live a successful, spiritually prosperous life if you will just obey God. If you'll just listen to God and when he tells you to do something, you do it. And when he tells you not to do something, you don't do it. Look at all the people that fall off the trails or fall off the rails because they disobey God. Look at how miserable their life is. Do you want that? No, I don't want that. I want a good life. There's plenty of suffering that's going to come my way without me creating some more suffering for myself. I want to obey God. There's so many amazing promises about this in the Bible. In Deuteronomy 28 too, the first place where a lot of us would go, it says all of these blessings will come on you. How would you like a blessing to just jump on your back? 
and just take you down and make you so happy and glorious and, and thrilled that you don't know what to do. It says that blessing will come on you and accompany you. It will chase you down if you will obey the Lord your God. A lot of people want a Savior, but very few people want a Lord and Savior. And Jesus is Lord of all, whether you accept it or not. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. One day, they're going to be forced, you and I, we're going to be forced to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. You know what? I want to do it before I have to. I want to do it today. I want to get down on my knees today and, and, and confess today, Jesus, you are Lord. You're my God. But you know what? If I do it today, you know what's going to happen? The blessings of God are just going to pour in and flow in. And I'm going to be blessed physically, materially, emotionally, in every which way. I am going to be blessed. You are going to be blessed if you'll just obey God. Exodus 23, 22, another example. It says, but if you will just listen carefully to his voice and do everything that I say that God says, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will be a foe to your foes. In other words, he's going to not just protect you. He's going to aggressively protect, proactively protect you. John 15, 12 and 14, because a lot of times we look, well, what are you talking about in terms of obedience? Like the whole Bible? Like the Old Testament and, you know, I don't know. Are we still supposed to be killing animals and are we not supposed to eat, you know, pork? And are you talking about that? Well, Jesus just boiled it down in many scriptures, but I'll just share one of, of them with you here in John 15. Jesus says, this is my command. It's real simple. It's real straightforward. Love each other as I have loved you. Just love the Bible says love God first, but then just love people. Love people. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a, a, just a kind of earthly example or a human example. I, I probably could have loved my wife without her loving me back. But you know what real love is? Is when kind of when you're loved first. The Bible says that. This is love, that God loved us first and then we loved him back. And the reality is you can't love God and you can't love people until you accept the love of God for yourself. And the greatest love isn't what some of these songs say that I've, I've learned to love myself. No, that's not, the, that's not the deal. I've learned to let God love who I am. Despite all my shortcomings and failings and weaknesses and whatever, I accept his love for me and I dive into the ocean of his love and I'm going to drown there and nobody's ever going to pull me out. I'm, I'm going to just fall in love with God and he's going to love me and then I'm going to love him back. But that's the command. So you say, well, the, the Bible's so complicated. There's so many commands. This is it. If you will just love God and love people, you'll be fulfilling all, the, you'll be obeying all that God wants you to do. Because when you love everything changes. Let me just jump up here to another, another really cool thing <laughs> about obedience. It's in 2 Chronicles 7.14, and it really boils down, and, and it shows us that the commands of God are, they're internal. They're about your heart. They're not about externals, do's and don'ts. 
But it's about the heart, because if you get it right inside, you'll get it right outside. Get it right inside. And so 2 Chronicles 7.14 kind of gives um, some, some internal and, and spiritual disciplines that we need to have that are obedience-related and that you can start doing this very week in obeying the Lord your God. Look at these. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, there's four things. Look at that. I even color-coded them for you. All right, they'll humble themselves. They will pray. They will seek my face, the face of God, and turn from their wicked ways. Then God says, I'm going to hear you from heaven loud and clear. I'm going to forgive all your regrets, all your mistakes, all your sins, and I'm going to heal your land. I'm going to take you not only to where you were before, but beyond where you were before. A healed person, healed emotionally, healed mentally. We, we struggle with mental illness, emotional distress, fear, all kinds of stuff. God says he's going to heal you if you'll do these four things, if you'll obey him in these four areas. Let's look at these just briefly. Humility. I told you it was about inside of you, right? Being humble is about what's going on in the inside of you. Instead of being prideful and arrogant and always putting yourself above others, you say, no, you know what? I'm not better than everybody else. I'm not worse than everybody else because that's a bad attitude. I'm just equal with everybody else. I'm equal. You know what? We're all in the same boat. We all need Jesus. I'm equal to that CEO who's making a billion dollars, and I'm equal to the homeless person who just begged for a buck from me at the stoplight. I'm neither better than them, and I'm not worse than them. That's humility. You don't know it all, and you treat people as equals. Let, let me tell you this. You welcome others into your life. I got to know Juan recently, and we're kind of, Letting each other into each other's lives. I love that, man. Open up your heart and just make your, make your sphere of friendships bigger and bigger and bigger. Don't discriminate. Let any and everybody into your life. Unless, of course, they're just going to bring you down. <laughs> the Bible says be careful with those people. But open up your life and let people into your life. That's, that's humility. Pray. What is prayer? Well, I'll tell you what, I used to be able to last three minutes at prayer, maybe, and my mind would flitter off, go off and here and over there. And then I started praying five minutes. I could pray five minutes. It's pretty cool. And then I could pray 10 minutes. And pretty, long, pretty soon I was praying 15 minutes. Why? Because I had to know. I, I actually like to pray. It's actually an enjoyable thing to pray and talk to God because what I do when I pray, I check my cares at the door and it's just me and Jesus, man. <laughs> I'm just talking to God. And now I actually hear from God and that's what makes prayer even better. It's not me talking, it's me listening and receiving from God and I'm praying, I'm talking to God. But I've learned in prayer that I need to stop thinking and stop worrying and just really start praying. Because oftentimes I'm praying and all of a sudden I realize, I'm not even praying, I'm just worrying. 
I'm just fearful. I'm just freaked out about something. All right? Tell God your troubles and your fears. If you don't know how to pray, start there and say, God, I'm stressed out because of this. I'm stressed out because of my money, my job, my marriage, my relationships, my health. I'm stressed out, God. You have just started praying when you do that. (laughs) Just tell him what you're worried about. Your final exams or whatever, your work, whatever it is. Tell God what you're going through. That's the start to prayer. And that makes prayer appealing because now you've just unloaded your burdens onto the master of the universe, the creator of all things, because you've told him what you're going through. Tell God about your troubles, your fears. Spend more time listening to God instead of talking to God. All right, just center down, you know, be meditative and just open your spiritual ears. And if you do it, if you can only last a minute, that's all right. Start somewhere. And just be quiet before God Almighty. I use my imagination to do this. I picture myself at the feet of Jesus. He's on a chair. And I come right before him. And I just kneel like this, comfy. (laughs) And I just sit before God. And I listen to him. And I tell you what, when you use your imagination that way, it helps anchor your mind so that you're not all over the place. And I picture the nail scars on his feet and the nail scars on his hands. I picture the look on his face. And guess what? Before I know it, I've spent 10 minutes listening to the Lord. Anybody can do this. It's expected of us. In fact, you have false imaginations. You have lustful imaginations. You have angry imaginations. Why not have a godly imagination? (laughs) Use everything in your arsenal to focus on Jesus and pray. Make prayer a lifestyle, not just a time that you do it. If you get in the car, whisper a prayer to Jesus. Invite Jesus into your thoughts. Here's the third thing, though, that we can obey God in, and that is to seek God. And at some point in in a lot of people's lives, not in everybody's, but in a lot of people's lives, they get sick and tired of pursuing material stuff because they see it doesn't fill them. They get sick and tired of the third marriage, the fourth marriage, they get sick and tired of looking for the next promotion. They get sick and tired of trying to buy a bigger house or a better car. They get sick and tired of it because they're empty inside. And that's when you start seeking God. That's when you say, God, I want to find the real deal. I want to know you, God. And that's where Philippians 3, here's the Apostle Paul. He apparently reached this place, and he wrote Philippians 3, verses 8 and 10. He said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing knowledge of just worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. See, he, he was seeking God at that point. He said, I consider everything garbage that I may, I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ. And I believe right now, even as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is stirring your very heart to say, I want to know Jesus like that too. I am tired of my distractions. I am tired of my pursuits. I want to run after Jesus. I want to seek the face of God. I want to seek the face of God. But the fourth thing that we can obey in is turning from our wicked ways. And I was sitting there scratching my head. Now, I've 
I've done a lot of wicked things in my life, all right? A lot of shameful, ugly things. But I'm not there as much as I used to be. I mean, God has really changed my life. And so I was sitting there thinking, God, how, how can I turn from wicked ways? I'm not on drugs. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not into pornography. I'm not doing, you know, God, what wicked ways do you want me to turn from? <laughs> and it took about two minutes for the Holy Spirit to show me all the wickedness that's still in my life. And let me share, you what, share with you what it is. There's four things. All right. Did you know that worry is wickedness? I'm a worry wart. Are you? Are you? I'm a control freak. Are you? All right. It's wicked to be worrying all the time. God didn't create you to be worrisome or fearful or having panic attacks or, or waking up in the middle of the night freaking out. God didn't call you to that. He called you to freedom. He called you to peace. He called you to not have to take a sleeping pill to go to sleep at night. Did you hear me? He loves you. It's wicked to worry. So what am I doing? I'm turning my back on worry. Did you know that worry is a choice? It is. You choose to worry. You can choose to not worry. Is it easy? No, I didn't say that. I just said it's a choice. But with God's help, the Bible says you can do anything through Christ who gives you strength. You can do anything. You are unstoppable. Nothing is impossible for the person that believes in Jesus. You can do it. It's wicked to worry. Boy, you talk about a man, a slap in the trasero. All right, I got whooped. That's wicked. What else did he tell me? He said, doubt is evil. Turn your, turn your back on doubting God and saying, I'm not doubting God anymore. Do you know how insulting it is to doubt the Lord Jesus Christ? Man, that must be insulting. If my kids, and I've given this example before, but if I, give, use my wife. If I were to tell my wife something and I just see that she doubts me, I'm like, what do I have to do to get you to believe me? I mean, I'm telling you the truth. I'll never forget going to out to eat with, with some, some folks and me and my wife were telling them something. And I could see on their face they didn't believe us. I was like, I've never lied to these people before. How could you not believe what I'm telling you? Well, that's how God feels when he tells you something. He promises you something. You say, I'm not sure I believe you, God. I mean, God's like, holy. Well, he wouldn't say this. <laughs> I was about to say, holy cow. God, I would never say holy cow. But he would look at you and say, what is, what's your problem? I'm the God of the universe. So doubt is evil. Negativity is demonic. God wants you to stop and wants me. I'm a I tend to be a negative person. He wants us to stop being negative and start being full of faith in him. Full of faith in God. Hopelessness, here's the fourth one, comes from hell. Hopelessness comes from hell. God doesn't want you to be hopeless anymore. So the Bible says to turn your back on evil, turn away from evil. I'm turning my back on doubt. I'm turning my back on worry. I'm turning my back on hopelessness. And I'm turning my back on negativity. And you have your skeletons in the closet as well. Turn your back on them. That's obeying God. And when you obey God, 
you are going to be blessed. Hallelujah. This all comes, these things, whether it's this or condemnation, shame, regrets, all these things that we deal with, all right, they come from having a spirit of the world in you. You have the spirit of the world, and the Bible talks about getting rid of the spirit of the world and inviting in the Holy Spirit of God into your life and everything that comes with the Holy Spirit. In fact, next Sunday night, we're going to be seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit on a Sunday night, and I'm going to share with you all of these things about getting rid of the spirit of the world and taking on the spirit of God. All right, but if you, listen to me, if you will obey God, you will live a blessed life. Some people would describe it as a charmed life, as a lucky life. No, 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 it's the blessings of God flowing in your life. Let's look at this. What else did Joshua learn? Well, in verse 8, if I can see good enough here, (laughs) is to keep this book of the law always on your lips. Always on your lips. And here is something that I have seen play out time and time again, and it's this. Look at the next slide here. Victorious Christians are those Christians who speak the word of God. I, the only victorious Christians I've ever seen in my life are those who speak the word of God out loud. If you are a victim victimized mentality. You're always under your problems. You can't ever get beyond your problems. You need to start speaking the word of God. A victorious Christian is one whose lips and mouth and vocal cords speak the word of God. Who was it that overcame those? It was by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. When was the last time you spoke the goodness of God, the word of God out of your mouth to someone else, even just to yourself. You can start there. If you embarrass yourself by talking to yourself, that's a big problem. All right? Start with yourself. Get in front of the mirror and start speaking the word of God to yourself. You will become a victorious Christian, I guarantee it. Romans 1.16, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Start being victorious like God was telling Joshua and said, you're, gonna be, you're not going to fail. You're going to start living a blessed life. But I want you to start speaking the word of God out loud every opportunity that you get. Speak it to yourself first if you're ashamed, and then speak it to others secondly as you get more comfortable. Avoid negative talk and rehearsing lies in your mind. The enemy has been telling me over and over again, hey, you're headed for financial disaster given your situation. You're headed for financial disaster. I've finally learned not to rehearse that lie in my, lie, in my mind anymore. I'm not going to rehearse it. I'm only going to speak the word of God for myself and over myself. When was the last time that you told somebody, some, somebody something encouraging that you read in the Bible? When was the last time? Think about that. I'm not going to ask you to get up and tell us what it is. But when was the last time that you told somebody about something you read in the Bible? I hope it was this week sometime. I hope you say, I don't even remember it was the last time. Well, the good news is you can start this very week. Don't worry about the past. Say, hey, from now on, 
I'm going to find someone to say, I read this cool scripture, look what it says, and your victory level is going to go through the ceiling almost instantly. Talk to your spouse about the word of God. Talk to your friend. Talk to your children. Tell a Christian coworker. all right? I'm not even saying to find somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Find somebody that does know Jesus and share the word of God with them. The, the wonderful, fresh manna that you've gotten from that morning with someone else, and it's going to strengthen you. That's why Wednesday night is so important, you guys. Wednesday night is exactly what we do. We say, what did you read? Tell us about it. And you have the ability to express the goodness of God, the truth of God. It's coming out of your mouth and your strength. And the next, the next thing that God told Joshua was to meditate on this word day and night. Let me ask you, if it's important enough for God to tell you something, don't you think it's important enough for you to write it down and to think about it? Yeah, of course it is. If God shares an encouraging word or gives you a feeling of hope, even if it's just a feeling of hope, write it down and think about it. Write it down and think about it. You will forget most everything unless you write it down even people with photographic memories, all right? Write it down so that you can think about it. The Holy Spirit has a personal, fresh message for you every day and even multiple times throughout the day. So write those things down. Well, let me share with you how I do this. I use Evernote. Um, I have very bad handwriting, all right? And so when, God, when I read something cool in the Bible, whenever I, I have a refreshing feeling from heaven, on me, I'm, I'm down, I'm, I'm beat down, and, and I feel the peace of God, that's worth writing down. And I write it down in my own words, and then I have it on my phone. I have Evernote on my phone. You can use OneNote, you can use notes, you can write it down in a written journal. I don't care. Write it down, though. <laughs> and then throughout the day, I just pull up my phone, and I'm like, oh, man, what was that this morning? I'm feeling kind of down right now. I click on the Evernote app. <gasps> oh, there it is. And I have the same good feeling again. See, you know what? Our emotions are just part of who we are. And granted, we don't go by our feelings, but we need good vibes. We do. We're desperate for them. And the, and the Bible, the Bi- I'm sorry, it's not the Bible. <laughs> the Bible will give you the, 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 the shot in the arm, so to speak, to get you through your day and to get through it victoriously instead of being beat up. And so journalize. Journalize, man, what God is telling you. Read the Bible. Cut and paste that verse. Put it on a, I put it on Evernote, but you can put it on a three by five. Stick it to your bathroom window so that you can see it there and it's helping you and it's encouraging you. All right? So meditate on it day and night so that you may be able to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Look at this progression of what's necessary here. To be prosperous and successful. Spiritually prosperous and successful. Physically, mentally, emotionally. All right? First of all, you have to study the Bible. Not just read it. you got to study it. And if you've gone to church here, you're sick and tired of me saying this. But you know what? Get used to it. (laughs) Christians need to study their Bibles. You don't need a priest or a pastor. You need God. <laughs> and you need a direct connection with God. All right? 
And yes, we need each other. Look, if you weren't here this morning, you wouldn't be hearing this. You wouldn't be inspired to journalize. You wouldn't be inspired to be victorious. So it's important for us to get together. But you need God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then you need him again the following week. Study the word for yourself. Then we said, speak the word. Then we said, meditate on the word. And now the fourth, we're saying, be a doer of the word. Be a practicer of the word. How can you do that if you don't read it? You got to read it. You got to study it in order to be a doer. In James 1, verses 22 through 25. Hey, are you going to be successful this week? Are you going to fail less this week? I hope so. The only way is going to be is if you put this into practice. All right, so be a doer of the word. Here it says in James 1, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Pray. We talked about praying. We talked about humbling ourselves. We talked about turning from our wicked ways. We talked about seeking God. Do the word. Anyone who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. In other words, you get up every morning and you look in the mirror and you wish you hadn't, but you're glad you did because you're going to do something about it. Believe it or not, even I have messy hair sometimes. I look in the mirror, and I do something about it. I, I thank goodness I don't wear makeup. I just wash my face. I put my hair down. All right, I brush my teeth. I shave. I do something because I just didn't like what I saw in the mirror. When you read the Bible, you're not going to always like what you see. And God is telling you, change what you need to change. Be a doer of the word. Don't go away from the mirror being ugly nasty, stinky, do something about it. And after looking at himself, he goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like and how bad he looked. But whoever looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, look, they will be blessed. With God's help, change yourself. With, your, with God's help, become a different, a better person. With God's help, become the person you've always dreamed of being and stop thinking you can't do it because you can. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. When you read the Bible, it's time to take personal action and change what needs to be changed. With God's help, you can't do it on your own. Ask Jesus for help, but then put forth the effort. In Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, it says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, and puts them into practice is like a man, a wise man or woman who built their house on the rock. And I'll never forget, we were in the, on the California coast a while back, and we were on a beach. It was in Northern California. And there was this massive rock that was halfway on the sand and halfway in the water, about three stories high, and we climbed up this rock and sat on top of it. The waves were crashing against the rock. And you know what? We couldn't even feel a vibration. And I had like this wonderful moment. This is a journaling moment, by the way. I was like, you know what? This is what it's like to be obey God. This is what it's like to be a doer of the word. The biggest wave in the world, well, maybe not the world, but the biggest wave that could come against that rock would never even shake that rock. It was so huge. It was so strong. Be a doer of the word, and when the, the troubles of life crash against your life, 
you won't even be shaken. I remember once Jesus telling me as I was praying, I was going through a, some trouble of some sort, and I was nervous. I literally felt like trembling. I was so nervous. And I, I remember the Lord telling me, Steve, I want you to stop shaking. Look down on the rock. Is the rock that you're standing on shaking? It's Jesus. And I said, no, Lord, I, the rock is not shaking. I felt the Lord telling me, I want you to stop shaking because I'm not shaking. Is that powerful? That's a journaling thought. But anyways, my point is here, build your life on Jesus. Do what he tells you to do. Practice, experiment with what God tells you to do. See if it doesn't work. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man or woman who built their house on the sand. When the rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew, it beat against the house and it fell with a mighty crash. They failed miserably. You don't have to fail anymore. Just practice, practice what God's telling you. Love people, man. Pray, humble yourself, turn from your wicked ways. Man, this is how you stop failing. Look into the Bible and take corrective action in your life. Take responsibility and practice what you just heard. Look, here we're finishing with this last verse right here. It says, have I not commanded you? God's telling Moses, be strong and courageous. Have you ever noticed that when God tells you something, he keeps telling it to you over and over and over again? That's good news. That means he hasn't given up on you. <laughs> that means he says there's still a chance this person can change. All right? He was like that. And if you read, by the way, if you read about Joshua in other places, the the people of Israel were telling him to be strong and courageous. He had been told earlier on in his life to be strong and courageous. It seemed to be the theme of his life to be strong and courageous. And God has a theme for your life. God has a theme, a power-packed theme for your life. Receive it. Believe it. Operate in it. Live in it. Praise God. You're going to be a success in life, not a failure. Success, not by human standards, but by God's standards, which are far better. Far better. But he says, be strong, courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you <laughs> wherever you go. So here's the last thing. Look at this. This is almost my favorite one. Look at up here. You know what you need to do? You need to kick, kick fear in the face. Kick fear in the face. That danger that's pestering you, that you, oh, what if this, what if that, what if the other? You kick fear in the face. God is telling you, do not be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't be worried. Don't be fearful. God is with you. God is with you. You can do this with God's help. You can do anything. Nothing is impossible for you. What has overcome this world? Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome this world. Kick fear in the face. I was going through a challenging time for two years straight. Fear gripping me, tearing me apart. And you know what? About a year and a half into this thing, I was like, I am so tired of being scared. <laughs> I am so tired of being fearful and worrying I am stopping this right here, right now. 
and I kicked fear in the face. So the power of God, I kicked fear in the face and I got through the rest of that and God brought us out on the other side. Stop being fearful. Don't do it anymore. You're a child of God. If you've repented of your sin, you've acknowledged that Jesus is Lord and Savior, you have nothing to be fearful about in this world. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. God is now on your side. The reality is you're on God's side. (laughs) But when you get on God's side, he's on your side. And nothing can harm you. The Bible tells us nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. Praise God. Well, how can you kick fear in the face? you got to start listening to God more than your fears. Start listening to God. Study the Bible. Speak the Bible. Meditate on the Bible. What did Jesus do when he was faced by Satan himself? He spoke the word of God over and over and over again, and that's what you have to do as well. All right, so you know that Jesus is with you everywhere you go. I'm going to make you a promise today, and I end with this. I make you this solemn promise that if you will adopt a mentality of obedience to God, stop doing things the way you want to do it. If you adopt a mentality of obedience, consistently studying his word, speaking his word, meditating on the message that you receive from him, and practicing what he told you to do, you will not be scared or discouraged anymore. It won't be scared or discouraged anymore. You'll be full of faith, and you'll be able to stop failing and start living the blessed life that God has for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this very, very clear, undeniable message that's given to us. It wasn't just promised to Joshua. Lord, the fact that the Bible is able to be read by anybody is those very promises apply to us who believe in you, Jesus. I thank you, Heavenly Father, because you are good, Lord God. You are powerful. You you work on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is described as our helper, the one who comes alongside of us and helps us. And Jesus, you you promised that if we would come to you, you would take the heavy burdens off of our shoulders and carry them for us, Lord God. I thank you so much, Lord, for the reality of the gospel, the practicality of the gospel, Lord. Lord, the, 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 the fact that we can experiment with the things of God and find them to be true for ourselves instead of just some theory that's out there not helping anybody. 